2021. We made it, beloved of God. The grace of God kept us. His love overpowered every obstacle and every stronghold that came our way. And I'm just grateful tonight to be able to come to you by way of video and just say that God is great and greatly to be praised. And even though we're not physically in the same place, we're in the same period, we're in the same time. And so we bless God for 2021 and we thank the Lord for our theme for this year, which is the time is now. In this moment, why not now? In this season, why not now? And so we bless God as we move in the things of God, as we progress further into this year. We bless the Lord in advance for everything and every thought and every plan that he has pre-purposed and ordained for our life. Will you please join me in giving God praise for our covering and our Bishop, Bishop Alfred Jackson. We bless God for you tonight, Bishop. We thank the Lord for your steadfastness, for your commitment, for your consistency. You're just such a great example of a man of God and such a wonderful example of a leader. And so we bless God for you. We also bless the Lord for Lady Jackson, for Mother Jackson. I honor you tonight. I love you so much and appreciate who you are. And to the Tabernacle of Praise family, let me thank you for allowing me to be grafted in as a son uh, it is an honor and a privilege for me to be affiliated and connected with and seen as a surrogate son uh, for this ministry and to this ministry. And I just offer myself to you this year as we go forward in the things of God and knowing that the Lord has got great and marvelous things in store for us. Well, beloved of God, our theme again is the time is now. Our scripture text is Mark chapter 1, 14 through 15. And so as we get ready to receive the word of God on tonight, I ask you to begin to direct your thoughts to that particular text. And let's get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Grace and peace again, beloved of God. Our word for tonight is again going to be coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Familiar text, but I just want to allow God to illuminate some things to us that uh, I believe he would have us to receive in our in our time and, and in our theme, of course, that the time is now. Uh, just a few words that I believe that God would want to amplify uh, both in our ears as well as in our heart that it might lead forth to transformation in the way we live here uh, in God's kingdom. Mark 1, verses 14 through 15, the word of the Lord says this. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Beloved of God, I want to share with you tonight for a few moments uh, from this thought, agents of discovery. Agents of discovery. Join me now uh, in prayer to the Most High God. 
Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we bless you tonight. We thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the blood of the lamb, Lord, that was shed afresh for our lives, both uh, for our past and for our present, and most importantly, for our future. Thank you for the spirit of forgiveness. Thank you for the glove called faith that holds us in place and keeps us, Lord God, as we walk and as we march through this pilgrimage that we call life. Father, now forgive us of our sins, things we've done knowingly and unknowingly. And right now in this moment, preach to us and through us your word with clarity and power and boldness, Father, that uh, at the conclusion of this preach word, that our lives will be transformed and we will never, ever be the same. Father, take now the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart and make it acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and redeemer. It's in Jesus's name I do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Agents of discovery. Beloved, the foundation of Christianity is built on faith in God the God of creation and his will in the world to reconcile us all to himself. Our faith in God from, comes from the Lord God of eternity, revealing himself unto us. Our faith in God derives from God, revealing himself to us. And from that, we begin to believe. God triggers life events that point individual people in a direction that will allow them to discover the reality of his existence. The God who always was reveals himself to those who are so that we can become what we shall be. Let me state that again. The God who always was reveals himself to those who are so that we can become what we shall be. God, through divine agency, empowers people through faith to serve and act as agents of discovery. Again, we do not find God. It is God that finds us. And through his sovereign will draws us into the knowledge of him through everyday life experiences. This is how I see John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1. John is an agent of discovery. An agent of discovery is one that God uses to disclose the reality of his holy existence and plan for reconciliation with all mankind. In common law, there is a process known as discovery. Discovery is the formal process of exchanging information between the parties about the witnesses and evidence that will be presented in a trial. Discovery enables the parties to know before the trial begins what evidence may be presented during the case. It's designed to prevent trial by ambush, where one side doesn't learn of the other side's evidence or witnesses until time for the trial. But that is also the time where it's too late to build up answers 
to the evidence. One of the most common methods of discovery is to take a deposition. A deposition is an out-of-court statement given under oath by any person involved in the case. Beloved, God has common law. That law is what we know to be the Ten Commandments. The law identifies who God is and his expectation of those who know him or to those that may come to know him. The law clearly communicates the rule of God's relationships. Breaking of common law will lead to judgment. Before bringing people to trial, God submits to a deposition through the life of servants. There, God reveals who he is and what he has done in support of his law. That servant is then empowered as an angel of discovery to share God's deposition with specific people during a specific period of time. Sometimes this is done through groups like Hebrews or Israel or even through Levites. But God's primary means is through the individual of lives that tonight I am calling agents of discovery. Beloved, John the Baptist is an example of an agent of discovery. God used John and his life to direct people to his testimony. Apart from God extending this allowance, beloved, there is no means for us to discover God. This is what the word of the Lord says in John chapter 6 and 44 from the New Living Version. The Father sent me, these are Jesus's words, the Father sent me. No man can come to me unless the Father gives him the desire to come to me. Then I will raise him to life on the last day. Jesus' words let us know, beloved of God, that he did not even simply come of himself, but it was God the Father sending him into the world. And as God has sent Christ into the world, Jesus lets us know that even though he's here as Savior, no one comes or has the ability to discover who God is is apart from God drawing them into relationship. Beloved, God reveals himself to us and the method of discovery is dependent on God and not upon man. It is not we who choose to approach God, but it is God who chooses to approach us. It is not our place to get God to draw us, but it is God's will that draws us into relationship. Beloved, let me say to you tonight that God is not findable. You cannot find God. Rather, it is God who reveals himself and finds us and draws us into relationship. Beloved, salvation and relationship with God take place under the divine hand of God. It is God that finds us and not the other way around. 
Adam did not find God in the garden, but it was God who placed him there, and it is God who located Adam when Adam became lost. Abraham did not find God in Ur or Canaan, but rather it was God who found Abraham. Beloved, Moses didn't find God on the backside of the desert, but it was God that saw Moses and drew his attention to his holy presence. Moses was born with an unconscious awareness of God that came from his Hebrew parents. Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He, he was developed in a setting where man was elevated almost in place of God. But it wasn't until life events led Moses or drew Moses to God on the backside of the desert. There, beloved of God, God revealed himself to Moses. Even though Moses' name means deliverer, Moses could not deliver anyone until God first drew him into relationship. Moses became aware of God through God's divine agency. And in that moment, Moses became an agent of discovery. Beloved, we are agents of discovery. If you've been born again and bought with the price, with the blood of Jesus Christ, beloved of God, you are an agent of discovery. God uses us where he plants us and where he places us. And through faith, God manifests himself to others through life events, and from there by faith, they develop a relationship with God through faith. Yes, God uses you and your life and your experiences, your heartache and your hallelujah, that others see God and desire to be in relationship, but it is beautiful to understand tonight, it is not your own desire that makes you want God, but it is God rubbing in you the desire to want him while he's reaching out to you through the life of somebody else. Beloved of God, I, I want us to begin to digest on tonight that as agents of discovery, God is not only using you, but he's also using the life of the person beside you, and that collectively, God wants you to be an agent of discovery so that somebody else would come to know God like you know God. Yeah, beloved of God, it is through faith that God uses us, directs us, and orchestrates life situations that pull us into a place of relationship with God that someone could come to know him for who he is. So when we read Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, that it happened after. Beloved, stay with me here. God identified John to the people and John identified Jesus to the people. All of this took place under the guides of God's ushering humanity into discovery of his existence and presence. God did this through the life of John the Baptist, God's 
agent of discovery. But beloved, I don't want you to lose sight of the text on tonight that it happened after. I wish somebody would just say after with me. Yeah, yeah. Beloved, your ministry gets activated after. Mm -hmm. Look, 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 look closely. Look closely at the text. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not just Jesus came, not just Jesus preached, not just the gospel, not just the kingdom, but I want you to notice here that it says, now after John was put in prison, what, 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 what John the Baptist went through, beloved of God, activated an atmosphere and provided a platform for Jesus to take center stage. Sometimes things will not move until after your after. God, I wish I had some help right there. Things may not seem relevant to you till after you're after. I, I want you to understand that, that this was a real life situation, that John was in a real jail, but, but it was the stage that God built on the back of John so that somebody could see that Jesus was the Christ, but it didn't happen until after his after till after he had gone to prison, till after Jesus made his way to Galilee. Beloved, I hope you, you're starting to see where I'm coming from on tonight. Beloved, sometimes things don't make sense until after your after. Can I give you some biblical evidence? I'm so glad you agreed. Genesis 15 and 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But beloved, I want you to know there were some dark days between the promise in Genesis 12 and God's revelation in Genesis chapter 15. There were some difficult moments. There were some times where Abram had to scratch his head while he's waiting for God to do what he's said he would do. But beloved, it did not happen for Abram. Abram did not become Abraham until after he had gone through a season. That boy is saying something up in here. John chapter 3 verse 22, the word of the Lord says this, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and baptized. But beloved, oh, when you read chapter three, I don't want you to, to go over after these things like a speed bump, but, but Genesis 3.22 comes after Jesus's encounter with Nicodemus at the beginning of John chapter three. God, I wish I had a witness in here on tonight. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until after the encounter of him telling Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again. And hear me good, if Christ could not be Christ until after and after, then I believe we can decree and declare tonight that you may not be what you think you ought to be till after your after. Oh, not, not only that, but in John chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 says this, after these 
things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, when a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Now, you might see that and you might want to jump and say, yeah, yeah, he's a healer, but I want you to know that, that this only happened after Jesus's encounter in John chapter 5. There, there, you know, he healed a man and there we have the discourse that so many of us are so familiar with. It was there in John chapter five, after wrestling and fighting with people to understand his deity as the son of the living God. I want you to know, beloved of God, that the sea of Tiberias was not the obstacle, but it was the fight that Jesus went through just to help people to see who he was and his purpose in the earth. Last example is John chapter 7, 1 and the A clause. It says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. After being abandoned in chapter 6 by all of his followers, and Jesus sat down there with the disciples, and he said, are you going to leave me too? You see, Christ wasn't the Christ until after his things. And beloved of God, as agents of discovery, we must understand this absolute truth. Your after is the beginning of the story for somebody else. Woo, thank you, God. Your after is the beginning of the story to someone else's story. It is your after that is not a comma, but it's the beginning of the chapter in somebody's life. As an agent of discovery, beloved of God, somebody is going to discover Jesus because of what you allow yourself to live through by faith. Oh, thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you tonight. Look, look with me at the text as I as I hasten on here. Look, look now at our focal scripture, Mark 1, verses 14. This is what the word of the Lord says. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Again, beloved, don't miss the fact that Jesus did this after John went to prison. In the text, beloved of God, John the Baptist proves that, that Jesus is the Christ, allowing others to witness who he is through the life of John. It is John's witness of preaching and teaching and baptizing that led him to this place of imprisonment. He, he was the marker which identified Jesus as the promised one, as the Messiah, as the Christ, the anointed of God. And as we walk through chapter one of Mark, I want you to see how God worked through John the Baptist as an agent of discovery to reveal who Jesus Christ was. Look, look at how we, we discover him here in Mark chapter one. I just want to run through the, the, the chapter real quick in verses one through three. We, we see the prophecy of John as a forerunner of Christ. This is what verses one through three says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
Beloved of God, it was prophesied that one would come before Jesus. And this one would be crying in the wilderness and that this one would be the marker or the identifier of the Christ who was to come. I want you to understand that it wasn't just the fulfillment of John, but there are a multitude of promises that are only fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. Another way we see John introduced to us is we see John's purpose. Look with me at verses four through six. There, the word of the Lord says this, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. See, that's his purpose. He, he came baptizing, not in the city, not in the limelight, not getting the most likes on Facebook, but he was preaching in the wilderness. Beloved of God, I remember uh, when I talked to my pastor about my call to the ministry, he said something to me very directly that I could appreciate today. He said, son, it's not my place to give you a platform to preach. He said, but there are rest homes that need a word. There are homeless shelters that need a word. There are hospitals that need chaplains. But he challenged me that if you're truly called your purpose, your that, that gift will make room for itself. And John's purpose made room for him even in the wilderness. I don't know what your wilderness might feel like, but I do want to say on tonight that as an agent of discovery, your wilderness might just be the witness to your purpose of who you are and what God has called you to be. Verses six through eight, we also see him as an agent of discovery for the presentation of the proclaimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The presentation of the proclaimer. Watch verses six through eight. The word of the Lord says this. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Verse eight, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Look at the presentation of the proclaimer. It said that he would be dressed oddly. He would have a weird diet, but, but let me show you this from a different perspective. What I want you to see here in the text is he wouldn't look like everybody else. He wouldn't carry out or conduct his ministry in, in a very conformative way. He would not be one that would be invited every place all the time. As a matter of fact, because he was so odd, he might be ostracized. But I can say on tonight with some sense of clarity that being ostracized might just be the way God identifies who you really are. We understand that John couldn't come here with the finest of attire. He couldn't wear the big jewelry, but the presentation of the proclaimer is he wouldn't look like everybody else and he'd be willing to do what most people are not willing to do. Beloved, 
John was imprisoned. He was placed in jail. He was involuntarily placed in a shelter in place. But it was his storm that made that made way for Jesus to preach the gospel. And beloved, whoever's watching, whoever's listening on tonight, and you're going through that storm, you might just be preparing a runway for somebody to watch Jesus land in their life. Help me, Holy Ghost. You might just be preparing the ground for somebody to have a runway where the Lord can finally land because they finally opened up the door. Your storm might be connected to somebody else's storm, but through it all, we go through what we go through so that somebody might be able to hear Jesus Christ hung, bled, died, crucified for our sin, but resurrected with all power in his hand. Thank God for my storms because my storm make the story of Jesus believable. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. Beloved, I want to show you very quickly. I done got happy. I want to show you three elements of an agent of discovery. Three elements. Three elements. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Here, here are three. Here are three elements that come after about agents of discovery. First, first of all, there's a place. Second of all, there's praxis, and thirdly, there's a preposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, 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 there is a place that there is praxis and there is a preposition. All of it's right there in, in verse 14. There's a place, there's a place where it all goes down. In this instance, it was Galilee. That, that was the place. That, that's, that's, that's where it happened. It went down in Galilee. It went down in a prison in Galilee. It cleared the way in the city of Galilee. Church, all of us have a place. And our place is connected to someone else's place. It's the spot where it all goes down. And the good news is it doesn't have to happen inside the four walls of the church. That's one of the blessings of COVID that God is teaching us that inside the building is not the only place he's God. It's not the only place where it goes down. It may go down in an ICU room. It may go down on the floor of the legislature. It may go down on the streets of Rock Hill or or York or High Point or, or Raleigh or Saskatchewan or Los Angeles or any other, any other city or state or nation. It's got to have a place. And beloved of God, as an agent of discovery, you got to know there's a place and where you are is important to God because your place is connected to someone else's place. Let me hasten. Let me hasten. Look, there's got to be some praxis. There's got to be something that you put in place. It didn't just say that Jesus came preaching, but it said that he came preaching the gospel. He, he came to preach the life-changing, life-altering message that God has ordained. Preaching through the way you live. Beloved of God, it is wonderful to know this book. It is good to know it from beginning to end. Oh, that's exquisite. That's pleasing in the eyesight of God, but your praxis, baby, is what you're living. Do you live one way on Sunday and a different way on Monday? But do you have praxis that says, I rely on God and without God, I can do nothing. But with Christ, I can do all things but fail. I 
have a faith that's in praxis, in practice, in my daily life, and I preach the gospel through the way I live. Thirdly, there's got to be a preposition, something that modifies, something that predicts. It's the thing that everything is pointing towards. And beloved of God, through all your efforts and activity, make sure that your theme is pointing people to the kingdom. That's the preposition. It's good to get healed. It's wonderful to get a financial blessing. It's wonderful to get married. But beloved, that's not the end game. No, no, no. Our preposition is directing people into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our preposition. And that is the one motivating thought that changes and transforms every aspect of our lives. Oh, those were just those were just three things that you see there in the life of an agent of change after. But now I want to very quickly share four guiding principles as agents of discovery. Four guiding principles as agents of discovery coming from verse 15. Will you walk with me for just a moment? This is what the word of the Lord says, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, now I want you to understand, listen, listen to me closely here. These guiding principles serve as our foundation points. This is really important. These are the things that your ministry is built on. So, so notice here in the text, these four guiding principles, first of all, time and fulfillment, time and fulfillment, time almost is senseless without something that needs to be fulfilled. Time and life would be empty if there's nothing that's fulfilled in the span of time. But here's what I want you to understand about this word here that is used for time. It indicates a period of time predetermined or appointed by God. It's not chronos, which is just the order of time as it goes, but it's God giving a specific window where something may happen. Let me put it in the context of life. It's when a woman gets pregnant, there is a certain time for her to be delivered. Now watch this. You can deliver at any time. But when you deliver early, that baby has extra challenges. Normally, it's not up to the woman having a baby when they will have it, but nine months is the ultimate time. It's the optimum time to have a baby. That, that's that's, that's what, what Kairos is. It's when God chooses this moment as the best moment. It's the moment I've ordained for you. And here's what I want you to understand, that until God wants it to happen, it won't happen. You can pray, you can fast, you can dance. You can do whatever you want to do until God has ordained the moment it won't happen. But it also means when God has ordained the moment and you are living in a Kairos moment, that means no devil in hell can stop 
you. It means coronavirus can't kill you. It means that when God has ordained a moment in time for you, that only God can bring it to pass and only God could preempt it from happening. Beloved of God, time is compilated in years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or even seconds. But what's most important for us to get as born-again believers is that God has chosen a certain time for certain things to happen. And all of us have an appointed time. Everyone has an, an a fixed number of days. And beloved of God, no matter who you are and no matter what age you are, time will come to an end for all. So we've got God's timing, the kairos, and then we've got the fulfillment. Watch this. This Greek word here for fulfilled, of course, means to be full. I, I know that doesn't surprise anyone. It means to be full, but it means to be abounding. It means to be covered and mature abounding, abounding. That's something that's got momentum. Somebody say momentum. It's, it's something that's covered. You know, if you put something inside your refrigerator that's not covered, it may pick up the smell of other things that are uncovered inside that refrigerator. But when something is covered, thank you, Holy Ghost. That means regardless of what's around it, what, whatever might be happening around it, it cannot change or impact something that's already covered, matured, which means it's grown up through a stage that it'll never go back through. Ah, God, I thank you. It's matured. It's grown to a stage and it'll never go back to a thing. Okay. I remember a few years ago, Bishop and I were in Malawi and they sang a song. And during the song, they, they paused and they did a little dance and they said, I won't go back. See, beloved of God, you got to say to yourself, I've matured and I will not, I cannot go back to the way I used to be. And not only does God have that for you, but he's got that same fulfillment in the lives of other people. And that's why it's so important that we understand our place as agents of discovery. John the Baptist, beloved of God, he pushed repentance, which was to look back at the promise of the patriarch and, and a personal response to the things that he had said. But now people were being confronted to believe in the message and to accept Jesus Christ, to believe, to repent and to be in alignment with the God of heaven. It wasn't simply the message of John, but it was God's message of Jesus that, yeah, it's good to know the past, but it's more excellent to know the God of the present and the God of your future. Jesus takes John's message and advances it to the present and extends it into the future. Jesus builds on the past to reveal himself in the present as being the anointed one of God and points to our future, both present and in eternity with God by accepting the message and the manhood of Jesus Christ as our Messiah. Secondly, secondly, we've got the arrival of the kingdom. Catch, catch these principles now. The arrival 
of the kingdom. Here, uh, this word, this Greek word for kingdom, it can 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 connotate, it can denote a, a geographical territory, or in this instance, the reign of one, the reign of one. The, the kingdom of God refers to God's rule, his reign over all creation, over all humanity, that God is ruler in this kingdom and and to his kingdom this is what Isaiah said there shall be no end as agents of discovery we must stress that his kingdom come and his will be done that we are living operating functioning and moving based upon his reign. Remember Paul's words? He says, have you not heard that it's in him that we live, move, and have our being? He said, yes, yeah, some of your prophets have said that, or, or some of your poets have said that is what Paul's reference was. But he said, before the poet said it, the creator of heaven and earth said it. Thanks be unto God that his kingdom and to his reign is eternal and that it will have no end. Beloved, Jesus' teaching here in Mark reveals that members of the kingdom of God are marked. Let me give you four marks of those who operate under the kingdom's reign. First of all, we have a childlike humility. If you read throughout the, the gospel of Mark, you will see Mark refer to children over and over again, but we are to have a childlike humility. Secondly, we are to have a concern for the poor. And it bothers me, it upsets me when, when we politicize the gospel and we start perching people up in places they don't deserve. But if you don't care about the poor, don't tell me how strong somebody else is that's in some political role or, or serving in a, in a particular position. If you don't love poor people like God, poor people, that's a mark on you as being a child of God. You got to love the poor. And if you can love somebody that's in a position and not love the poor people that are under your care, then shame on you. If you have the love of God in you, then you ought to care about poor people, not just poor monetarily, but people who are suffering, people who are struggling while you sit in a high ranking position. And you mean to tell me that, that some uh, group can refer to themselves by a name that sounds godly and you're going to elevate ungodly people to the highest marks in the land and then you don't care about poor people and you argue over money and you argue over relief and you argue this over stimulus and you don't care about the people who put you in the office to the people that are paying their taxes don't tell me you're a child of God and you don't care about the poor you don't love the poor when you get to the place to where your heart is no longer broken over the poor that means that you've lost your mark for God. You need to repent and turn back to your love for him. It makes me sick to my stomach to see preachers that care more about being popular than they care about the poor in their community. I don't care how big your pulpit is, how big is your heart, and how much do you love those that Jesus called the least of them. Thirdly, 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 you got to have a sacrificial service. 
You got to do it strictly out of your love for God. Read Mark, read Mark, and you'll see it's about sacrificial service. It's about having to go through and to endure hardship and heartache because you have a sacrificial love for Christ and that you'll be willing to serve people. And fourthly, the fourth, the fourth mark, the fourth mark is a love for God and your neighbor, that you will truly love God and you will love those who are around you. Who is your neighbor? Whoever's in your circle, whoever you come in contact with, that's your neighbor. And if you truly love God, you'll learn how to tr love the people beside you. Even the people who are troublesome to your spirit, God will teach you how to love them. Even those people that just argue just for the sake of arguing, they're still your neighbor and God will teach you how to love them. His kingdom, his kingdom markets reigning over our life. And I want you to capture this, the kingdom, the kingdom beloved of God, the kingdom comes, the kingdom grows like a seed and the kingdom has a door to enter in. Beloved, I want you to know that about the kingdom. The kingdom comes, which means it'll meet a person where they are. It grows inside you like a seed and people can enter into it once Christ has entered into you. Thirdly, 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 agents of discovery promote repentance and belief. Agents of discovery promote repentance and belief. I'm, I'm almost done. Stay with me just a few more minutes. Repentance is preceded by belief. What you believe is what leads to repentance. And if you repent before you believe, it's your belief that keeps you. So belief should come. Now, in belief, it doesn't mean you fully understand everything. No, 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 beloved of God. But what you believe convicts your heart and it leads to repentance. Now, now this word repent is, is a compound word. It means to think differently afterwards. It means to, to reconsider. Of course, it is a change in direction of mind or, or in purpose. But, but true repentance, as agents of discovery, we've got to show people repentance. We've got to show people how to repent. And we've got to let them know that after my encounter with God through Christ, I think differently. Yeah, I still get upset. Yeah, I still have times where I don't always think right. But, but because of that encounter, I don't stay there. I, I think differently afterwards. It's, it's because of that encounter that leads to repentance. And beloved, we never stop repenting. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you preach. I don't care how long you serve as a deacon. I don't care how much food you cook for people in need. We have to repent daily. Then, it, then Jesus says, not only to repent, but we must believe to have faith in, to have faith upon Jesus, to entrust our very soul into his care, to, to know that my belief and my trust is in Christ. It's not anywhere else. And beloved, what Christ is expressing here is that belief is not optional, that we must have full, unrelenting belief and trust in Jesus as our Christ, as our Savior, as our Messiah. That, that, that beloved of God, this text is teaching us that right now in 2021, I'm to believe God no matter what I face. Regardless the obstacles, regardless of the trials, regardless of the tests, let your response be but 
God that when you face your next challenge and if it's not already here, it's on the way. Beloved of God, when you face it, let your response be, but God, why? Because my belief is so strong in Christ that what I go through cannot change my mind of the experience I've had with God. My belief is now my foundation for the way I live. Beloved of God, let the foundation of your belief be in Jesus Christ, not just in his birth, but in his eternal existence. If your belief is only on the birth of Jesus, you're going to miss the move of God because from the foundation of the world, God has always been God. And the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, Jesus had been slain for us. So you got to see him and know him in his eternal, exi his, his eternal existence as well as his earthly existence. You got to know him as God and as the son of God. You got to know him as the savior of the world. Beloved, that kingdom concept is here. It is a, a part of us now. And as we learn to live in that thing of kingdom, we've got to press repentance and belief. That's got to be our, our battle cry, that, that the kingdom has got to be about repentance and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. One songwriter said it this way, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Beloved of God, my final point here, my final point is that ages of discovery stand on the gospel. We stand on the gospel of Jesus's birth, of Jesus's life, of Jesus's death, and of Jesus's resurrection. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, it is wonderful to know God, but it's more important to know God through Christ because to know of God without re reconciliation through Jesus Christ, you may be forgiven, but you have no eternity. But it is knowing God in Christ, the Savior of the world, to know of his miraculous birth, that, that Mary was, was found with baby, with child of the Holy Spirit, that he lived a perfect life confronting sin, but never conforming to sin, never gave in to sin, that he died a perfect death, that no Pontius Pilate did not kill him. It was not a command of Caesar. It was not a piercing of a Roman soldier's spear. It was not in the, even the cry of Caiaphas and the Jews. No, no, no. Jesus said, no one takes my life, but I give my life a ransom for many and his resurrection to be raised with all power in his hands. You know the story that the that the Romans had come together and they had said, oh, um, we discover his tomb is empty. We, we better come up with a cover story. We better come up with a way to camouflage his life. And that's when Jesus began to show himself, reveal himself in a resurrected body. Remember what he told Mary? He said, look, don't grab me like that. 
that I'm not the same one you knew before, and this body is headed to a place that's going to fix everything related to your eternity. He says, you can't hold me like you used to hold me because I am now resurrected and I am going to a place that will completely transform life for eternity for all who will trust and believe in Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says in Romans 1, verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. Beloved, but the only way that someone will gain faith is they have to see it in people who are faithful. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and, and bring good tidings. You know, it talks about that visible, but it says, you know, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach except they be sent? And beloved, I want you to know those whom God sends don't just preach from pulpits, but your life speaks. You are an agent of discovery. You are the one who God has chosen in this time, in this season, to reveal the reality of God in Christ to those who are around you. You, beloved, are an agent of change, and, and you may be watching this on tonight, and maybe you don't know Christ, and in this moment, you want to be saved. You, 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 you now understand better that, that through our lives, that, that God reveals himself to us through the lives of other people. And maybe you've been that person that's been writing and fighting with God, wrestling and fighting with God. And now you're beginning to understand that, that you can wrestle as long as you want. God's will is going to come to pass in your life. And maybe you are looking, you're watching tonight and you're saying, look, life has just been crazy. And, and it just seems like nothing I try works. But, but now after hearing this message and after these things, after hearing this message, I, 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 want, I want Jesus to come into my life. I, I, I want to have the assurance of who he is for myself. I don't, I don't want to live in 2021 with the emptiness of 2020. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when this life is over, when I breathe my last breath, I want to know that to leave and be absent of this body means to a born-again believer to go and be present with the Lord. It is what John expressed in the Gospel of John chapter 14, that, that, that the Father's in me and I in the Father and, and I in you and ye are in me. It is that eternal relationship that is revealed through agents of discovery. And I'm glad I don't, I don't have a badge. I don't, I don't have a mark uh, on my clothing that identifies me as an agent of discovery. But I've, I've got love in my heart. I've, I've got a witness in my life that I pray is visible. If you're watching on tonight and someone's life has spoken Christ to you, I want you to just follow me in prayer. 
or maybe maybe you're an agent of discovery and you know you're an agent of discovery and and you've been been fighting in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and you've been trying to to shape your life and your ministry and, and you're trying to wonder why it won't work it's because instead of you using God God wants to use you and life is so beautiful when we allow God to use us. So allow me, allow me, beloved of God, to pray with you on tonight. And if you don't know Christ, uh, just just, just listen and I'll, I'll lead you through a prayer of repentance. And for those who do know Christ, amen, we will pray a prayer of healing and restoration for every agent of discovery. Bow with me, bow with me in prayer. Father, it is in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you on tonight for the witness of your word. Thank you for the witness of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for every corrective care and every corrective action that has now led us to a place to where our lives will never be the same. Thank you for the tranquility of peace that somewhere in the midst of this message, peace broke forth like a river. And God, I thank you for quieting life and for cutting through all the noise that some son and some daughter, though they had been distant, now has been drawn nigh through your love. Father, I pray with and I pray for anyone that's watching that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That, Father, right now you would allow them to repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I admit that I've sinned and I've done wrong. Please forgive me, Lord God, of my sin. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and he died for my sins and he rose to give me eternal life. I receive Jesus tonight as I believe he was born for me, he died for me and he rose to give me eternal life. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Savior and Lord, and my eternity is in his hands. Father, I also pray for those who already know you, but on tonight, as agents of, agents of change, we repent and we renew our belief, our trust in you. Bless, Lord, all those under the sound of my voice as we resubmit, resurrender our lives that in 2021, during this holy convocation, that Heavenly Father, we are ready to be directed and led by you through every mountain and every valley. Lead us, guide us, and direct our lives. And Father, as you lead us through, keep our hearts, minds, and every faculty of our body directed towards you. 
for you are our peace. We bless you, we love you, and we praise you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this holy convocation. And we speak the blessings of Christ over your life. And I send you forth as agents of discovery to remember that it's after these things that your life and your ministry will make more sense. We love you tonight in Jesus' name. Grace.